Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and a short feature series, Remembering John Paul Jr., which focuses on the late race car driver's career in sports cars. Known as one of the most natural talents in the sport, Jr. became a champion in the International Motorsports Association's fearsome GTP class, won many of the biggest endurance races, and added a famous IndyCar victory to his growing reputation before his father's drug trafficking business ensnared the two in 1986. With his career halted during the 30 months he spent in prison, compounded by a refusal to testify against his father, John Paul Sr., the Indiana native returned to racing in 1989 and continued driving until the early 2000s. Altogether, the vast majority of Jr.'s exploits in racing came in sports cars, and I've assembled eight brief episodes with his friends, co-drivers, team owners, and an IMSA official to share their insights and appreciations for all that made John Paul Jr. such a beloved figure inside the sport. And in some of the interviews, our guests speak to the latter years of Junior's life, where he fought and ultimately succumbed to the neurological disorder Huntington's disease. Junior's close friend, author Sylvia Wilkinson, wrote a book titled 50-50 about his life and career before and after Huntington's impact. And while the book is sold in many places, you'd like to support his legacy, a purchase directly from Sylvia through the email address johnmortonracing@att.net. We'll send some of the proceeds to UCLA for ongoing research to combat the disease. So let's get going with veteran IMSA team owner and driver Rob Dyson. Shared a car with Junior in 1989 at Bruce Levin's team in Junior's first endurance race after being released from prison. Rob later hired Junior to pilot a number of Dyson Racing's GTP and WSC prototypes for some of Junior's greatest performances, including an overall win. The 24 Hours of Daytona in the late 90s were delivered. This episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Bruce and I had agreed he had a Texaco deal and he was going to run the James and uh, Klaus Ludwig and Cyril Vandenberger in a in a water-cooled kind of a Group C car, Group C configuration. <laughs> and then he had his other car, and, I, and Bruce and I, had, you know, we we did the shift off stuff. We just had a lot of fun. We did eight or nine races together. When we got down to Daytona for the test day, it was me, Bruce, and Dominic Dobson. And I didn't know Dominic. And uh, so I got down there, and there's John Paul. And I'd never met the guy. I'd never met him before. You know, a guy that I'd obviously heard of, and I'd actually seen him race when we did a um, a race out of Laguna Seca when I was uh, doing club racing. We got up and took my car out to Laguna. That's where I saw him race. He was running a Porsche, and Brian Redman was running that uh, that Lola T600. Yeah. And it was phenomenal to see how fast they were going. Anyway, uh, so anyway, so we get down there and, and, you know, hey, how you doing? Tell you the truth, I didn't know all of his background. I knew that his father was a bad guy. I didn't know that he had just gotten out of jail. Mm. I didn't follow his career that much. I mean, I knew that he was a kid and his father was a little bit on the rough side. But I said, okay, well, that's, you know, father's on the rough side. But other than that, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. We we did the racing, and I said, gee, this guy is really a talent. He did say, so bounced around and raced a few. I'm not sure where he ultimately went. We didn't we didn't hire him on that season. But I think of at least a year later, we brought him back. We brought him back just to, just to um, sub. I think Wallace had a thing. So he rode with me and... Uh, and uh, Lime Rock, uh, 89 is what I recall. 
I think that's where it was. That's right. We hired John and used him kind of throughout. We had him in our cars when we were running the Rileys. And he didn't come to every race, didn't do every race, but he did the he did a couple of Daytonas with us, including the one where we had seven drivers, which is still a record. He was fantastic. We did a uh, we did one Daytona where uh, it was pouring, slashing rain, and John in our car, and it was me, Tiff, Nadell, and John. John started slashing rain. In the old days, nowadays they'd probably stop the race. In those days, they didn't. They kept racing. The car, the race starts. John was lapping the entire field by a minimum of 10 seconds a lap. (laughs) In the pouring rain. I mean, it was really, really incredible. His rain, his prowess in the rain is indeed legendary. And so I'm glad that you mentioned this because that was Again, one of the big items to celebrate, which is, as you well know, elite sports car drivers, there are many. They all run within a fraction of the same lap time, right? At the very top, they're all, they're obviously differences, but they're all pretty darn similar in terms of overall capabilities. And on rare occasion, do you have opportunities to see where one can truly stand out? And yeah you throw John Paul Jr. into a car in the rain and there was absolutely something insane that was going to happen. He was remarkably talented. And what happened is last race for us was a up at Watkins Glen. And I can't quite remember the year in O'Reilly six hour. I think Elliot started, I got in the middle and there was a full course yellow weather was fine. Full course yellow. And John, uh, I came in for tires. It was actually kind of a scheduled pit stop, but a full course yellow and got, I got out of the car. He got in new tires and everything. Well, all of a sudden goes back to yellow again. One of the pit marks come over and say, Hey Rob, John hit the wall. And I said, it's under the yellow. I said, did we not put a tire on or anything? And the guy said, uh, inexplicable. That was the beginning when John came into the pits. you know, the car was brought in on a hook and it was really the right front was just completely destroyed. And I pulled him aside. I said, John, what happened? He said, well, it just got away from me. That ironically was the precursor to what, if what was afflicting him, that mm. it was afflicting him that, you know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden he not able to control everything. And this is someone who's not known for crashing or letting cars Absolutely. get away from him. Not, not at all. Not at all. Uh, the big thing is, is that he, um, he was just terrific to work with just terrific during the 24 hours that we won he never left the pits he stayed in the garage the whole time he stayed right in the pits the whole time the entire time stayed in the pits wow but this was a guy who was an obvious talent i mean you don't have to you don't have to you know you can look it up in the book the sad thing about it when you when of course when you get the when you start looking at it would have happened to this guy if he'd had even a remotely normal upbringing i mean think about it yeah And you think about everything he was able to achieve while having to, you have to assume, I don't want to call them demons because that might be a little bit melodramatic, but growing up under constant strife and skullduggery and you name it, uh, the ability for him to clear his mind and achieve all that he did and then go to prison and come back and not be a shell of his former self, but 
uh, to be able to reconnect to all the things that uh, made him so special as an athlete. What he went through would have wrecked a lot of people. You know, I think, I think that's actually the right way to look at it. This guy was an athlete, a phenomenally talented athlete who from an early age had the blessings, kind of a double-edged sword, the blessings and the pitfalls of a, of a parent who was putting him in cars, but also putting him into a situation where he couldn't survive in a legal system. And his father must have been, must have been completely nuts. Yeah. Must have been completely nuts. I've heard stories about him from different crew chiefs and different people and different drivers and everything. He was really, really nuts. A very, very dangerous man. Interesting that his son is known for and revered for being a gentle soul and a kind person and a caring person in all the positives you could possibly extol. How interesting. Yeah, he was, he was, he was remarkably easy to work with and his setup would work. I mean, he just went out and did it. He had a remarkable, just remarkable, just a remarkable ability to uh, extract the speed out of a race car and never hurt it. Thanks once again for listening to Remembering John Paul Jr. Thanks as well to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com for supporting all we do. This is your first time listening. You might pay a visit to MarshallPruittPodcast.com. We have more than 1,000 episodes awaiting your perusal, plus a lovely little subscribe page where you might follow along with all the new content we generate.